Hey, everybody. This is Patrick, the Chief Monkey and founder of Wall Street Oasis. Just wanted to first off say thank you so much for listening to this podcast. Second, wanted to make sure for any of you in the market for financial modeling training, remind you that Wall Street Oasis does have some incredible financial modeling training courses, including Excel modeling, financial statement through, you know, linking up the three statements, DCF, valuation, M&A, LBO, um, even more niche courses like 13-week cash flow, venture capital course, real estate modeling, you name it. Go ahead and check them out at wallstreetoasis.com slash courses. Thanks for the support. Wouldn't it be cool if there was a Netflix for finance? Well, there is. It's called Real Vision, and it gives you unprecedented access to some of the most respected names in finance. Watch interviews with legends like Kyle Bass, Jeff Gunlock, Stanley Drunkenmiller, and many, many more. If you want to be part of the Real Vision revolution, visit realvision.com slash WSO. Hi, I'm Alex Gorodnik, and you're listening to the Wall Street Oasis podcast, a podcast about breaking in to the world of finance, along with interviews with those who have. On today's show, an army ranger turned investment banker, Don Latino. Quick second here before we get into it. If you haven't checked out the Wall Street Oasis investment banking course, you need to. It takes into account 7,500 questions across 469 investment banks to create the most up-to-date and comprehensive course that exists. Okay, let's get into the show. Dom, welcome to the podcast. This is a bittersweet time because you and I were really close friends yeah. for all of business school, yeah. and now actually today... 10 minutes after we finish recording this, you're driving, you're leaving LA. Head driving, up to NorCal. Heading north. Yep. Don't know when I'll be back. Yeah. Who who does? So My last thing in LA. This might be my last memory. Okay. Well, let's make it a good one. Yeah. Until next time. Well, so you we, we just graduated from Anderson last week, and now you're headed up to Greener Pastures <laughs> in Palo Alto. Oh, Yeah to be a technology investment banker mm-hmm. and that'll be great for when I need to sell my first business because <laughs> I will know a high powered <laughs> jeans wearing technology <laughs> banker Yeah, Who'd and so thought? you can guide me through that. I'll do my best. Um, okay, so let's, let's get into your background and hear about your path to this incredible investment banking job. In Palo Alto, but let's start earlier. Yeah. How'd you get here? Oh, wow. Well, originally from Sacramento, so not necessarily the Bay Area, but pretty close. Uh, went to West Point for undergrad out in New York, uh, then was stationed in the Army, uh, well, I was in the Army, stationed out in uh, North Carolina, Georgia, and Texas, a little over five years. And then, uh, yeah, I decided I'd do business school, and... Uh, Drove out from Texas in 2015 to start start that. Sure. So, I mean, you're being modest. You weren't just in the Army. You were an Army Ranger, <laughs> like this elite group, jumping out of airplanes, being in <laughs> Afghanistan. So, like, tell us what that was like. So, it wasn't a Ranger, technically. I was Ranger qualified, did Ranger school. Um, but, yeah, I played rugby at West Point. I had a lot of good friends there. Um a lot of my friends went in the infantry. A lot of them are special forces now. So good group of guys. Um, 
and yeah, so then I went to 82nd Airborne, you know, I was really, um, drank the Kool-Aid, so to speak, really wanted to do all the army stuff, the hardcore stuff, uh, yeah, I went to Afghanistan in 2012, um, I was a platoon leader, charged about 40 guys, um, infantry, um, yeah, it was pretty exciting, yeah, jumping out of planes, you know, shooting guns, marching, you know, through tough terrain, pretty good way to spend the early 20s for sure right and so were you just content doing this like living this hardcore life or did you think okay someday i want to be in business i want to go to business school yeah so something was probably unique about me that i kind of noticed once i was at ucla was that i i didn't know what an mba was when i graduated from college i didn't know what it was when i was in afghanistan or you know, first few years out of college. I, I had no grand plans to go into business. Uh, you know, when I was younger, I didn't, you know, didn't care really about investments or anything like that. Um, I was, I was pretty focused on the army. I never, I never thought I would make the army a career. I thought I might, but, um, I didn't see myself being like a colonel or general either. So I guess I really didn't have, you know, detailed plans for my future outside of, you know, I was so focused on deployment and, you know, ranger school and um, kind of, the, I guess, the near-term goals that I had. I didn't think too, too long-term. So, yeah, I was just focused on that. And then um, yeah, I was wounded in Afghanistan. And so that was kind of like a, I guess, through a curveball and kind of gave me a new perspective on and some time to think about, um kind of a, a career outside or a path outside of the army. Um, and then I guess you'd say it changed the kind of the way I thought about my future. And uh, luckily I had a commander that was in the army um, who had got out shortly after our time in Afghanistan or tour there. And he ended up going to Sloan, MIT Sloan for business school. So he told me what basically what business school was. He told me about investment banking and consulting um, and kind of those career paths. And that, that was kind of the impetus to start thinking about that. And, you know, the first, you know, started reading about business and finance and business school. And then the more I read about it, I was like, this could be pretty cool. Right. Tell us about the injury. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was just, uh, we're, we're, we're where I was at and I was in Kandahar province. This is in the South, the Southern part of Afghanistan. And, uh, I was in two places. One was the first was Maywand, uh, and then the second was Panjway, and or excuse me, Zare. And uh, so the the first place was like out in the desert. So it was a lot of like you know platoon level um, missions. And it was pretty exciting, you know, a lot of a lot of action. The second place we were at in Zare, which is uh, a lot of um, more like close quarters, and we we're like in these grape rows which are really tough to maneuver in and uh and most of the threat we had was um from victim operated ieds and basically they just littered these towns with it and littered these grape rows well with ieds and they basically won you know unlike a lot of times in iraq or these other places you know where they're command detonated ieds where they you know, have to actually see you and you know detonate themselves they just you know leave these things out for you know Months. We're talking about landmines. Landmines, basically. Yeah, exactly. And so they'd be everywhere, and you just walk, and sometimes every now and then you hit them. And, you know, it was just 
that was the main, one of the main threats we had um, in these you know, very low populated areas out in the very rural. Um, so it was a pretty interesting time. And I guess one, one time we were out at night, out all night, and then in the morning walking back um, to my cop and just hit a stepped on guy in front of me, stepped on one and got a little blast. I got a little, some, uh, some flesh wounds, so to my face and body and I was already ugly, so it wasn't that big a deal. Wow. What happened to the guy who stepped on it? He ended up uh, similar to me, but he just got on the backside. He's lucky. It, it delayed, so I always think this is pretty funny, but it's, uh, it, was, it was almost like a movie because, you know, after it, we had had that happen a few times where, like, you, you step on one and it doesn't go off. You just hear, like, the blasting cap goes off, but the main charge doesn't. So we knew that, what that was. So when he stepped on it, we heard the loud, like, the whistle and the pop. And so it was like, oh, crap. <laughs> so he took another step, and we, like, paused, and I looked down, and then, and then I got knocked out. But I was, like, the last thing, it was like, oh, everyone's just like, oh, shit. Oh, shit. <laughs> uh, and then, yeah, I got knocked out and uh, clouded. And I woke up in, like, a cloud of dust, and it was, it was all hazy from there. It was like a, a brownout, if you will. Right. And so now you're lying in this hospital bed and Mm -hmm. some province of Afghanistan and you had a life epiphany. No, I wouldn't call it an epiphany. I think that the thing for me was, you guys had spent so much time, a big part of the army and just like me, you know, I played three sports in high school and I was rugby and, and then ranger school, like I said, all these near term goals and, and you always got to challenge challenge I like to challenge myself and you know set these goals and try and accomplish them and you know test test myself see if I can do it see if I'm you know tough enough and all this stuff and especially with the environment I was in with the army and you know with infantry and ranger and 82nd all this stuff you know there is a cultural you know as there should be there's this cultural um pressure to like to prove yourself and to um you know if you know you when you get graduate ranger school you wear this thing on your you know on your uniform it says ranger and so like everyone sees that and like if, you know, if guys that don't have it or officers that don't have it, infantry officers that don't have it, it's like they're looked down on. So you really always got to constantly try and prove yourself. And so basically after Afghanistan, I, you know, for years at West Point, you know, we'd always looked up to these guys that had the CIBs, the, you know, the combat infantryman badges, the, you know, the Ranger tabs, like the, all these awards and they had combat stories and all this stuff. And then, so then I fa- basically found myself kind of on the other side of that where I... I had the awards that I looked up to for so long. I, you know, I had the Purple Heart, the Ranger, the CIB. I had the stories and all this stuff. So I was like, okay, well, now what? Like, I don't really necessarily have to prove myself really anymore. I kind of have, you know, you know, what's next? So it kind of basically, I guess, I guess for a lot of it, guys, kind of took the ego out of it. Like, I didn't have to worry about you know, what's the next thing I'm going to put on my uniform and I have to worry about, you know, how, how am I going to make people think I'm tough now? So it kind of opened things up to, okay, what do I actually want to do? What do, you know, what do I want for like a career? And like, what do I see, what do I want to be in 20 years? So all these things I hadn't thought about before just kind of gave me the opportunity to like, it's not, it wasn't like I had this like, Oh, I want to find happiness or anything like that. Like I didn't have, I wouldn't, I wouldn't call it an epiphany. It was just kind of I kind of had the the freedom for the first time to actually think about long term without this kind of like ego um, kind of getting in the way. Right. So you wanted the next challenge, and as jobs go, investment banking 
can probably check a lot of those boxes for you. Fast-paced, high-pressure, working with... I mean, it's a, it's a common path to go from West Point Business School IB, right? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. For sure. So it fits your personality, you thought? Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I think so. Um, um, and, you know, I, like I said, my old commander, he was... He pointed me towards that. And I guess I say a lot of people... Well, a few people that I talked to about business school that invest in baking, they they said I probably trading would be more my for my personality, but that's you know not necessarily the uh, great industry it seems like right now at the time. Um, but yeah, so I think IB was right up there with my personality. You know, just for you know, like I said, playing rugby, playing all these sports growing up. It's competitive. It's I think one of the things I, I liked is, so with the Army, coming out of the Army, <clears throat> and one of the reasons I went to business school in the first place was, we come out of the military, especially as like something like infantry, you know, not, you know, without something specialized, like maybe someone with a technical skill coming out of the Air Force, the Navy, if you're coming out of like, just like a general role in the military, without like a specialized skill, you're generally... Um, pipelined into like an operations role, right? Like a warehouse or supply chain or something where it's, you know, kind of like op- just operations, right? You can use your, your, you know, discipline and your skills of the army to make things efficient, right? That's kind of what people think of and are stereotyped in, which, you know, <clears throat> for better or worse, it's what it is. But I just, I knew I didn't, that's, I didn't want to do that. So if I wanted to expand kind of my, my universe of options, the MBA was the way to go. It gave me the option to do finance, investment banking, consulting, you know, just learn so much more about business would give me that opportunity. Um, so, yeah. Right. Well, you came to school, came to Anderson on day one. You thought, okay, <clears throat> now the investment banking. Oh, oh sorry. I know, I know what I was going to say. Um, yeah, so, so, Outside of that operations role, right? I knew I didn't want to. One thing I like, so what I like about banking is it like there's, you know, it's client focus. So you constantly have these new challenges, you know, similar to with some of the things I liked about the, the Army is like you constantly have these new missions, right? Whereas in operations or some of these other things, you maybe have like this, this one project they're working on for, you know, however many months or, you kind of, or do you have this just routine that's like the same thing constantly? That didn't really appeal to me. I like about banking as it is, like you constantly have, you know, you're trying to get new deals, you're working on different deals at different times, you know, at the same time, different deals are the same, or that they're, they're at different points in their in their process. So it's just constantly like, you know, your schedule is shifting. You don't know what's going to happen next, and I, I like that. I like that it's it's. You're thinking, you know, very near term and trying to work through all these hoops. So, right. So you get to school, and Anderson's on the quarter system, so it starts late. And basically, day one, day one, it's internship recruiting season. So everyone starts dividing into their little tracks: consulting, banking, mm-hmm. tech, entertainment. Yeah. Don't know what the hell you want to do. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and so you put yourself said, okay, it's. It's IB time for me. IB or bust. So yeah. you got an internship. Yeah. Tell us how you did that. 
So yeah, I mean, right away I knew exactly what I wanted to do. I didn't really want to do banking. I didn't sign up for anything else. I didn't go to any other recruiting events or for any other industry as I knew I wanted to do banking. And for the most part, I knew I wanted to be in California. Um, and one of the good things about UCLA, Anderson, is they have a really good IB recruiting program. And that was uh, a big thing for me outside of just the California thing, but why I wanted to go to UCLA, why I want to go to Anderson. And so basically, coming from the Army not knowing anything, it was great to have them there, the um, Investment Finance Association and the Parker kind of hold my hand through the whole fall and basically help me with my resume, build that, put all the keywords in, you know, change my resume from this, you know, military heavy thing that no one would really understand in the civilian world to basically, you know, gear it towards um, IB, something that people would understand. Uh, go through all the resume or go through all the interview questions and the networking and because I also completely knew the networking none of did none of that in the army um, so you know the emails and the short conversations and the phone calls and maneuvering through all of that and saying the right things and so yeah it was all fall just constantly working on that at the same time you know learning accounting and f finance and uh econ and stats for the first time well i've taken econ and stats before but finance and accounting i never touched before so doing all that at the same time um yeah so it's like right in the right into the fire but it was it was pretty cool so you've never taken a finance or accounting course and you're in these ib interviews and they're asking you finance and accounting questions right? yeah yeah so how do you get ready for that i mean just just study uh I, I, it's one of the things too i like about you know, IB, investment banking, and finance in general, and the more I learned about it is, you know, it's not, it's not rocket science, not, you know, brain surgery or anything like that. It's pretty simple. I mean, accounting, right, there's, it can get pretty, you know, detailed, and there's a lot of things you can do, and can get, I guess, complex, but it's not like, you know, Excel can do basically everything, any deep calculation, so it's all basically just how hard you apply yourself and how hard you think, you know, how well you think about the things and you get the underlying concepts. So, you know, just study a lot. The 400 questions, the, you know, the famous 400 questions for our you know, investment banking interviews. I mean, you yeah, just got to study them. Or the Wall Street Oasis investment yeah. banking career. Right. Guide. All that stuff. I mean, just you got to sit down and pour over it and and just learn it and and luckily, I, I enjoyed the subject, and I enjoyed the, uh, reading about it and the questions. And I had you and a bunch of other friends here at Anderson that I was able to practice practice with and that had experience and would know this stuff. And luckily, I've put myself around smart people. That always helps to get better at things. Your parents tell you to do that? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for sure. Okay. So tell us what happened. Yeah, so uh, had a lot of luckily had a lot of opportunities. Uh, I think I had around ten first round interviews that I got. I think the army thing helps get, to get a first look. I don't know if it necessarily helps land the job, but it definitely helps people get a first look. You know, I think a lot of corporations, firms, 
like to give, um, you know, military people a, a shot. I think they have incentives, whatever. They may be, um, and I think generally people understand that there are some qualities that military people have that may work. Um, so I got a lot of looks, and it was it was challenging. It was definitely a challenging time. It got whittled down. Had a handful of uh, second round interviews, and luckily I ended up with Evercore uh, out in San Francisco. But it was it was it was a tough road, that's for sure. It's a grind. Second round interviews, third round interviews. Mm-hmm. Were there any fourth round interviews? I mean, it is yeah. It's a like, grind. Yeah, and it was it was funny. One of the banks, uh, uh, you know, top top tier bank. Uh, you know, I'd go there. I kind of thought I had a great super day. They call me back at the airport right after. I was, uh, I was like, "Oh, here it is! I got it!" And they just invited me back for a third round. <laughs> so I was like, "Oh man, it never ends." Um, but it was good. I learned a lot. Um, I think one of the biggest things for me that made it challenging is in the army, you don't do self promotion at all. At least early on, I'm sure you know colonels do or whatever. And once it gets to politics, but you know, you get. Your promotions are based off timeline, for the most part. You know, you really don't can't get too much out of you know self promoting and and honestly, if you talk about yourself too much, people think you're a real douchebag. So, like I said, you have you know, your ranger ranger tab on your arm. You have your CIB. Like that basically tells people for the most part what you need to see. You know, if you have SF, you have your green beret. Rangers have their tambray. Like you know, you can. You don't need to talk about yourself, right? It's self-evident, right? If you're in shape, you just you just look it. You don't need to tell people about it. And I always tell people if you hear someone from the military that talks a lot about it or talks too much, they probably either didn't do anything or yeah, they're a douchebag. So, you know, it's just kind of this culture of humility. And so, you know, getting out and doing this recruiting where you're supposed to network and supposed to talk about yourself and your, you know, it was just it was difficult for me, especially in you know, interviews where it's like. You know, hey, it's all my resume, like, and it, I don't know how much I need to t- talk about myself. You know, I just always felt weird doing that and really promoting myself, and I don't know. It was it was pretty difficult, and which is tough too because I'm coming from the military, which is a different industry, you know, a different career. Most people that I'm that are interviewing me, interviewing me don't have that experience, so they don't want to understand the stories or how maybe my skills could translate. So I. I I do, it gets take an extra little effort to kind of make that, to bridge that gap, that knowledge gap, and really make it clear why I can uh, do the job. So that was, that was difficult. It took me a lot of interviews. Luckily, I had a lot of opportunities to do it, and towards the end, I got a little bit better. But it was definitely a work to kind of make that, make that leap. Well, <clears throat> congratulations. It all worked out. Thanks. So... You what you you finish this up when like January February kind of kind of timeline and yeah. you have the rest of the first year to mm-hmm. enjoy the fruits of your labor <laughs> think about yeah. your challenging summer coming up and how you're going to make the most of it mm-hmm. so get to that how tell us about the summer yeah so it was um, it was cool it was, was Evercore their their um, Bay Area office say office in Menlo was the first on campus hire so a lot of pressure. I didn't want to screw things up, um, but I, I really lucked out. Uh, obviously, with recruiting, I definitely believe that, like a lot of people said, you do want to pick on based on people, not necessarily on on the name of the bank or already you know the superficial stuff. 
you can obviously, even with that, in the recruiting, you only meet so many people. So a lot of it is left up to luck. And I lucked out. I, everyone in my office is about 30 people or so at the time. Mostly techs, you know, a handful of healthcare and, you know, other people. Um, but everyone was awesome. Great people to work with. Helped out a lot. Definitely an office where, um, you know, you had exposure to, you know, VP, you know, higher level, you know, VPs, direct, you know, MDs, senior MDs even. Um, a lot of um, uh, mentorship. Um, and, you know, constantly got questions answered, um, got great guidance and everyone's just nice. Like it's funny coming from, you know, going into wanting to go into banking, I expected it to be a lot like, uh, you know, the stereotypical, you know, assholes, um, almost like a wolf of wall street type thing where everyone's, you know, just trying to get theirs. And, and that's kind of what I expected even though I wasn't, didn't really plan on going to New York, but then when I got to where I, where I was, it was just like this completely different culture. Everyone's, you know, don't get wrong, everyone's very competitive and wants to do well and wants to succeed and make money and all that stuff, but, you know, there's a way to do it without being an asshole and having that huge ego. And so I had a great time, and, um, you know, I like to think I, I learned quickly, but, yeah, it was just just working and... Uh, one of the things that I think helped me was um, I, and it, like, it might be a thing from the military or sports or I don't know, but it's just I was literally willing to do anything <laughs> to, to get that, that offer at the end. So, you know, working on the weekend wasn't a big deal. We didn't have protected Saturdays. You know, one of the small, you know, boutique banks, independent banks, we don't have to have those protected Saturdays that a lot of big banks do. Um. And, uh, so working on the weekends is whatever, like, I don't call me whenever doesn't matter. I'll be ready to work. So, you know, yes, mm-hmm. sir. Yes, ma'am. Yeah. Well, let's That's do this. That's kind of the mentality you need to have as an intern. It's 10 mm-hmm. weeks. Just crush it. Yeah. But I'd be surprised. I mean, I, I don't know if everyone has that, you know, as when you come back from the summer and all of a sudden you see people that, you know, all of a sudden don't want to be bankers anymore. You know, it is, it is rough. Um, it's one thing to talk about it, you know, and recruiting and do all that stuff, but actually be there for the summer and, and to do it. And then to think that, okay, yeah, I can, I can slug it out for 10 weeks, but then do I want, do I want to, do I want to do this long term? You know, can I give up weekends? Cause it's not, you know, people always talk about the hours. To me, it wasn't the hours. It's just, yeah, it is like, it's the not knowing, you know, when the hours are going to be. Right. And, uh, so, you know, I think it does turn away a lot of people or not, I won't say a lot, but some people, um, the lifestyle, but I I like that honestly. So I was all about it, and you know, if that if just you know working hard and as you know as smart as I can be, which is uh, you know <laughs> how we're smart that is. Um, you know, if that can if that can get me um, success, then yeah, I can do that. Right, working hard and making bucks. Making bucks. So you're yeah. not doing this for. It's not volunteer work. You're getting you get you get paid pretty well. These investment banking jobs are like the top salary jobs you get out of business yeah. school. What are like the ranges you get as like a summer associate kind of thing? Uh, so I think everyone, yeah, I think everyone's basically prorated off what your starting your base starting salary will be. And I think from what I heard, everyone it's like 
125k to up to 150k or so. So you get 10 divided by 52 times somewhere between 125 and 150. Mm-hmm. No bonus or anything, right? Nothing like that for the summer. Yeah, I I I, I got a signing bonus, a small signing bonus to start the summer for the internship, an internship signing bonus. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's pretty nice. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, and then you get one when you, if you get an offer, you, you get one. And Did they you, give you the offer on the last day of work? Last day of work. Yeah. They made you wait to the very end. Wait till the very end. Called you in and said, Dom, we're really sorry. <laughs> and we're giving you an offer. Yeah. Yeah. Really made me wait. Maybe, you know, I don't bite my nails, but if I, if I did, I would, it would have, it was, uh, yeah, wait till the end, make it, you know, cliffhanger and they, they tell you. And then, yeah, I, I was, and I, like I said, I love the office and they even told me not to sign then. I said, just take it home, talk to your family, you know, on the weekend, think about it and, you know, call us next week, which I really appreciated. But I mean, I knew I was going to sign, like I said, I loved it and I liked the people there and couldn't have been at a better spot. So, and I got an extra bonus for signing early within like, a, I think it was like a week or so or two weeks or something, you get an extra bonus. So. That was fine too. Uh, so you get a signing bonus and then an early signing mm-hmm. bonus, and then you will start and you'll get the full one fifty salary mm-hmm. plus an annual bonus, right? Mm-hmm. And what is that? What kind of range is that in? I'm actually don't really know. Um, I think it's there's like eighty percent to hundred uh, percent or so of your right. so pay salary. Graduate business school. You probably know better than I do. First year out. I try not to think about you're it. You're making three hundred grand, like. Without the signing bonus. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you're getting paid pretty well. Yeah. Yeah, these are, these are high-paying jobs, high-pressure uh, jobs. I will say, you know, when I did come into – when I did come to business school for um, – I know I wanted to do iBanking. I, the only thing I knew was, like, what they had on their websites, right? Like, the, you know, the career center websites of, like, oh, all the career, here's all the careers that people go into from business school, and here's what they pay. And iBanking was always, like, a, wait, they'd say 100000 or 120000 And they never talked about a, a bonus or a salary like a, into, the, uh, into your bonus. Right. And they did mention they never put a number on it. So I came into business school thinking that I'd be making, like, you know, 120000 straight up. Um, so I like to think that, you know, yeah, that's nice wasn't, com- wasn't about the money. Yeah, that's a nice chip uh, on top. Overall, but I mean, it kind of is. But at the same time, like, I like to think, I'm, you know, I know I would be doing this even if it wasn't as lucrative and everything. Well, that's what they say. Find the job you would do for free. Not free, but find the job you, right. you would do for $120,000. There you go. Exactly. So you, so you got it. All right. Well, this all sounds really good. Mm-hmm. So you drive up there tomorrow, and then you start work when? Uh, you drive up today, sorry, and you start work. Yeah, end of July. End of July. I'm do training, like five weeks of training in New five York. Five weeks of training in New York? Yeah. Staying at a hotel? Staying at a hotel. Eating big Carnegie Deli sandwiches? Yeah. I'm, I'm a big uh, Lox bagel guy. <laughs> I love the Lox bagels. So you'll get your fill of that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we're getting, working out in hotel hotel gyms. Um, getting all my series oh, exams yeah. done. Series seven, series yeah. sixty-three. Oh no, series seventy-nine. Yeah, and series sixty-three. Yep. Uh, yeah, you study. You'll have no problem. You study and you and you take it. 
Mm-hmm. You just have to memorize a lot of stuff. Yep, yep, yep. Okay. Well, I wish you luck. I hope we stay in touch while you're working of course the long we hours and on the weekends. And hopefully when I have time, we'll be, you'll come up there. We'll golf somewhere in uh, Monterey. Maybe you can get me onto Pebble. Um, you... I'm sure you'll be getting me onto <laughs> uh, um, Cyprus with the connections yeah, you're going to have here. That's man. the dream. That yeah. is the dream. Yeah. Look, I'll give up. Many bonuses to, to, get, <laughs> to get there one day. All right, Dom. Well, this was fun. Thank you. Thank you, man. Good luck with everything. I'm Alex Grodnick, and you've been listening to the Wall Street Oasis podcast. We have much more coming, so please stay with us.